All right, well, good evening and welcome to everyone who is watching and following along with this edition of the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame's Hall Call Interview Series. I am Will Driscoll, the Executive Director here at the Hall of Fame, and as always, I'm happy to bring you another exciting edition of Hall Call. Uh, before we get started, I, of course, want to thank our sponsors here at the Hall of Fame, Priority Automotive, the City of Virginia Beach, the Beck Foundation, Davcon Inc., Optima Health, White Claw Hard Seltzer, ESPN Radio 94.1, Hamilton Realty, and Davis Business Appraisers. Without them, we wouldn't be able to bring you Hall Call or our induction coming up just next weekend. And speaking of the induction, we're 10 days away from the 50th induction in our history. And today we continue the induction discussion with another one of our 2023 inductees, D'Angelo Hall. And, and where to begin? All-state defensive back at Deep Creek High School, all Big East and All-American at Virginia Tech before becoming a first-round draft pick by the Atlanta Falcons in 2004 in the NFL Draft. 14 seasons in the NFL, the last 10 with the Washington Commanders franchise, three Pro Bowls, 43 interceptions, 10 touchdowns, a member of the Commanders' 90 greatest players of all time. And now we're just 10 days away from becoming a Virginia Sports Hall of Fame inductee. So, D'Angelo, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, man, thanks for having me, Will. Absolutely. Well, we're, we're happy to have you. And, you know, let's go ahead and get started. We got the most recent news, let's let's go ahead and start with the most recent news. Obviously, people can see you're wearing the black, silver, and blue, <laughs> the Carolina Panthers. Uh, you recently joined their staff as the defensive backs coach. What have the first few weeks in coaching been like for you? I mean, it's been amazing. You know, it's been amazing. I think, uh, you know, one of the things that I missed, um, you know, after I finished playing was really that competition, that being in the locker room, that, you know, everybody fighting for one for one goal. And so, you know, I enjoyed, you know, my time on TV. Uh, shout out to NFL Network for giving me that opportunity. Um, but, you know, when Coach Wright and, you know, the rest of the coaches on this staff called, man, it was it was too hard for me to pass up on this opportunity, man. We got a great group of coaches a great group of players and, you know, coaching was definitely something that, um, you know, that I had, that I had my eye on uh, for a number of years, especially, you know, you shouted out the 14 years. Um, the last couple was, uh, was injury written. And so, you know, I was basically a coach, um, you know, a player coach uh, in a sense. And so, you know, I got a little bit of a taste of it then. And, um, you know, like everybody else in this league, I, you know, I aspire to be a head coach at some point. And so, um, you know, I'm not getting any younger. You can see these grades. So I had to start, start, start at some point. You and me both. <laughs> right. Um, so you, you mentioned that it was your last couple of years where you started to kind of become almost a player coach. Was that when the idea of coaching sunk, like snuck into your mind or was that something that you've been thinking about prior to? Yeah. I, you know, I think over those last couple of years, it kind of just, just snuck into my mind. Um, you know, when I was playing, I never, never saw myself as a coach. Um, but, you know, like I said, just being one of those older players, kind of mentoring the younger guys and, you know, kind of sharing those little, you know, those little nuggets of wisdom, um, you know, the mistakes I made along the way and things like that. Not even talking about just scheme, just really talking about life and just, you know, just, you know, just trying to give these young players an opportunity to, you know, to just kind of, you know, just to pour into those guys in a sense. What sort of coach is D'Angelo Hall? Old school, new school, bit of both? <laughs> Yeah, you know, I think you got to have a little bit of mixture of both. You know, you got to have some tough love at times. You got to be able to love them up. Um, you know, today's athlete is a little bit different in a sense. And so, you know, you kind of got to have a little bit of that bend and compromise. Um, you know, not too many Bill Parcells and, you know, Coach Belichick's running around in today's uh, modern day NFL. 
Yeah, it's definitely a bit of a different game these days. Um, you know, as a coach, though, what are you hoping to accomplish? If you had to set goals for yourself as the defensive backs coach this year with the Carolina Panthers, what are the goals you're trying to accomplish this year? Um, you know, myself, I'm just trying to get better. You know, I'm actually the assistant defensive backs coach. We got another guy uh, named Jonathan Cooley, who's the head DB uh, coach. Um, you know, he spent a couple of years in L.A. with the Rams and, you know, he was an understudy to, you know, to a coach by the name of Raheem Morris that that I know very well that I played for. And so, you know, we kind of speak the same language. But, you know, for me, it's really just just trying to learn as much as I can. You know, we have so many great coaches on this staff um, that are willing to just pour into you. And so, you know, I think that was what made this opportunity so intriguing. You know, I could have got on, you know, a number of times at other places, but I just didn't feel like like they were the right situation for me personally to grow. Um, and, you know, this staff has been nothing but great. You know, obviously this is a results-based business and, you know, we got to win games and, you know, hopefully, you know, we'll figure out who that number one pick is in the next week or so, um, you know, and we can start trending, trending to that goal of trying to win some games. That's right. So this year you're on a team that has a number one pick. The last few years you were on a show that was talking about and speculating about number one picks. What was your broadcasting experience like? Did you did you enjoy the studio atmosphere or did you enjoy the game day atmosphere when you were on the call with the with the Washington Commanders? Well, you know what? I think being on those calls, you know, and being there at game day really showed me that I missed this game. And, um, you know, I I think that was probably one of the things that you know, when you get on the field pregame and you get to talking to everybody and all right, the game's about to start, you got to go to the booth and make that call. I was like, oh, you know, I want to I, I want to stay down here. I want to stay, you know, in the thick of things. Um, and so, you know, I, I thoroughly enjoy calling games. Um, you know, the studio work is fun, too. Uh, you know, just TV in general, you know, it's so easy. You know, I found myself working for an hour. Um, and really feeling like work. And, you know, I'm putting in 12 hour days sometimes and it feels like 30 minutes. It doesn't feel like work at all. And so, you know, I've I've just really enjoyed, you know, like I said, just just learning what goes into the other side. I think as players, sometimes you don't really see, you know, all the hard work and hours that coaches put in. Um, you know, you just kind of get the game plan and bam, you know, you got your meetings and things like that. And we think that's pretty time consuming. Um, but, you know, the coaching side of things is is, is a lot more demanding. Um, but, you know, I got a great family. My wife, you know, she was 100 percent behind me. I think that was the biggest thing that that really showed me that, you know, there's no time like the present is when my family was 100 percent supportive and behind me. And, you know, it really wanted me to chase this dream. So 12 hours feeling like 30 minutes. We're, we're not going to be like old Joe Gibbs. <laughs> We've got the cot set up in the office, right? <laughs> Nah, I'm going home and sleeping in my bed for sure. All right, very nice, very nice. Well, well, let, let's take it back a little bit further then. Obviously, you, you're from Chesapeake. Uh, there's a lot of great athletes from Chesapeake. You had a lot of great coaches, but who were you looking up to as a player uh, when you were growing up in Chesapeake and attending Deep Creek High School? Um, you know, I think the one name that really pops into my head who's who's kind of down this journey with me, um, you know, is Dre Bly. Uh, you know, Dre was coaching uh, over at UNC and he's got the opportunity to now be the assistant DBs coach with the, uh, you know, with the Detroit Lions. And, and I can remember talking to him before I took this job and, um, you know, just hanging with him at the combine and just all the different stories that we shared 
um, you know, just about a young D Hall going to Dre's barbershop, challenging him. Um, you know, this was right after Dre had won a Super Bowl, and I'm out there trying to race him, uh, you know, as a little middle school, high school kid. Um, and so, you know, just really watching guys like Dre, watching guys from the other side of the water, um, you know, Allen Iverson and Michael Vick and all of these guys from, you know, from the same area I'm from make it, you know, it really gave me, you know, a vision that, you know, that it was possible. Talk about that 757 pride. Obviously, the, the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame represents the entire state, and we see that with this year's class. There's connections all over the state, but you're a 757 guy. I'm a 757 native. There, there's something to to take a to pun the, the festival that's coming up soon. There is something <laughs> in the water here. I mean, talk about that 757 pride that you and your fellow peers have. Yeah, um, you know, it's 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 huge. It's huge. Um, you know, and is, is, is nationally known. You know, you talk to other guys from LA, Long Beach and Texas and Florida, and they know all about the 757. They understand that we have some great athletes, um, but it's just that competitive fire, you know? Um, you know, I think a lot of people ask me, you know, you know, what does it take to be a great DB? And I'm like, you know, you gotta have confidence, obviously. And, you know, I just think the 757, you go up against so many great athletes, man, that, you know, a lot of guys who, who, who didn't make it um, that I can remember competing against. And I just remember the, them them players just really stoking my fire along the way. I, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a five-star recruit. I wasn't necessarily always the best player. I was a really good player, um, you know, but it was all of those guys that really motivated me to try to be the best version of myself that I could be. Well, taking that version and being the best version of yourself, you know, you're now – Bringing it just to Chesapeake specific, you're now in the same category as Kenny Easley, William Fuller, Alonzo Mourning, Dre Bly, who you mentioned, Michael Kadire, athletes, uh, and there and there are others. I mean, you you will be the 14th inductee into the hall just from Chesapeake. When you hear your name associated with names like that, what does that mean to you? I mean, it's a it's a tremendous honor. Um, you know, I played AAU basketball with, you know, with BJ Upton and just to see BJ, to see Ryan Zimmerman, you know, guys from not even Chesapeake, but kind of that area and yeah. really my era. Um, you know, just watching all of us, you know, just just have success in athletics, man. It's, you know, it's it's definitely humbling. Um, you know, and I tell my kids all the time, you know, they've you know, were born in Northern Virginia, spent some time in Georgia. Now they'll be down here in Charlotte. And, um, you know, what I always tell them is you got that, you got 757 blood in you. So don't ever forget that. You got to always compete. You got to always work your butt off. You're going to have, you're going to have a little bit of talent, but, um, you know, you still got to put in that hard work. And so, um, you know, I'm always taking them down there. My mom still lives in that 757 area right outside of Western Branch. Um, and so, you know, I'm always trying to, really showed them where I'm from so that they understand the magnitude of, you know, the guys that came before them. That competition is still strong here. You can go to any game on a, a Friday night in the fall. You can go to any basketball court. The competition is still strong. But you mentioned about your recruitment uh, coming out of high school into college and how you weren't, say, quote unquote, a highly touted recruit. But I'm always fascinated at recruiting stories. And, and do you have one for us that stands out that 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 you always remember from your recruitment and what ultimately led you to Virginia Tech? Yeah, I mean, I got a couple. Um, you know, I think the special thing about Virginia Tech, I, I just felt that family atmosphere. Um, you know, we had a lot of guys from the 757 around that time who were at Virginia Tech. And so it, it almost felt like a second home. 
Um, but it was the personal touches. You know, it was Coach Brian Steinspring sending me handwritten letters when when every other college was sending, you know, typed up kind of generic letters. It was, you know, Coach Beamer and uh, Coach Ward, you know, the DB coach coming in there um, to visit me and really, really giving me that confidence that I could I could help that program win. And, you know, one of my biggest regrets, you know, I say that now um, was really leaving school early and, you know, everything worked out. But I remember Coach Beamer telling me and Kevin Jones and Brian Randall and, you know, a lot of us that was in that recruiting class that our senior year, we played for a national championship. And I kind of shrugged it off. You know, I was kind of singularly focused on, you know, making sure my family and my mom was taken care of. She was a single parent who raised us. I was the youngest of six. Um, and so, you know, just really watching her as a school teacher with two degrees, um, you know, just really live check to check. I, I had to go, but I sit back and I think, and that was my rookie year, Kevin Jones's rookie year. He was a running back, you know, one of the highest recruits ever in Virginia Tech. I want to say he was the number one recruit in the country that year. Um, uh, you know, we played, which was, like I said, our rookie year, Virginia Tech played USC on opening night at FedEx Field, they ended up losing that game by a touchdown, but yet that that Virginia Tech team still made it to a BCS bowl game and they play Auburn in the Sugar Bowl and end up losing to Auburn. And I'm just like, man, if me and Kevin Jones stay in school, like every time I see Coach Beamer, I'm, I almost apologize because I'm like, Beams, <laughs> we could have we could have got you one, man. You know, and so that kind of haunts me having never won a championship in football. Yeah. Um, you know, that was one that I was like, ah, you know, that was definitely one I feel like got away. Well, you mentioned Coach Beamer, and, and Coach Beamer is a, a 2018 inductee, soon to be a fellow inductee here into the Hall of Fame. Uh, what would you say was his biggest influence on you as a player in your career? Um, just demanding the most out of me. Um, you know, from at, at times I, I could be viewed as a little bit of a selfish player, um, you know, especially early in my career. I was I was young. I went to college at 17. Um, got drafted at, you know, at 20 years old. And so, you know, the naive part of me always felt like, man, if I if I go make a play, if I do this, it'll help us win. And, you know, it really wasn't until I got around, uh, you know, Mike Shanahan, I got around um, Raheem Morris, and those guys really challenged me as a player, challenged me that, yeah, D-Hall, you can, you can, you know, you can kind of coast through practice and still – turn it up for the games and, you know, but if you pour into the rest of these guys, if you show them, you know, how to practice the right way, if you lead the right way, these guys will follow. And, you know, I kind of took that personally as a challenge. And, um, you know, from that point on, I kind of felt myself really evolve as a leader, um, got an opportunity to wear that C on my chest. And, you know, I, I, I tried to wear it with as much pride as possible because, those coaches were 100% right. When I came out there with a positive attitude and I was ready to work and I was challenging other guys around me, um, you know, the level of our, of our, of our football team definitely uh, skyrocketed. Yeah, that, that reverence for Coach Beamer is, is not unique to you. A, a lot of the conversations we have, it, it's, it's still that, that exact answer will almost come up. Um, this next question, though, I might, be, I might be showing both of our age here. Uh, but what do you remember most about the Big East football conference, the old Big East, oh, Miami, man. D.C., Tech, West Virginia? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, just just drag out battles. 
you know, going up to West Virginia, they throwing batteries at you, you know, going down to the U and playing against those super talented Miami football teams, Pittsburgh. Um, you know, I played against three Belitnikoff Award winners in a row at Pittsburgh, Latif Grimm, Antonio Bryant, um, and, uh, and Larry Fitzgerald. And so, you know, I just remember, you know, it might be a conference that no longer exists, but I'll tell you what, man, we had some rich traditions, some really intense rivalries, um, you know, and a lot of people think I played in the ACC, but I tell them all the time, nah, nah, I'm part of that old school Big East. I noticed you didn't mention my alma mater, Temple University, and and I'm trying yeah. to remember how many how many games we won <laughs> during your years there, and I think I can count on one hand. <laughs> Heck, I tell you what, you talk about Temple now. People think I'm a little older when I talk about playing at the vet, but I never played at the vet as a pro. I played at the vet in yep. Philadelphia against Temple. And I tell you what, when they built Lincoln Financial, we all were so hyped because the vet, you know, you hear stories about pro players telling you how the vet would always take three or four guys ACLs out. We had a couple guys test some ACLs on that on that nasty field up there at the old vet stadium. So we were all super pumped when uh when when Temple got to go play at the new stadium that the Eagles built, which was Lincoln Financial. I may have been one of the six thousand people in attendance that day <laughs> when you were up there last. <laughs> um, you know, you're talking about you're still talking about your your college career at Tech. You were selected as the 2003 Big East Special Teams Player of the Year, and and anybody who's followed, especially Virginia Tech football, but really who followed college football, we remember Beamer Ball, and we remember how yeah. strong of a component special teams was to the culture in that program. Did you enjoy special teams or was that just something that was thrust upon you and you said, I got this opportunity, I need to take it, maximize it? Well, you know, in high school, special teams is always viewed as the as as as, as the part of the game that you put the guys who aren't going to play on offense and defense. But, you know, I can remember going to Virginia Tech and it was it was such a thing of pride. I mean, to the point that Coach Beamer called the punt return team pride and joy uh, because that was the thing he coached. And, you know, it meant something to be the returner. It meant something to be on those teams. I mean, we had Heisman Trophy candidates out there blocking kicks for us and blocking um, you know, holding up headhunters and things like that on the return teams. And so, you know, it was it was it was a badge of honor to be a part of Coach Beamer's special teams. And so I remember taking just taking that mindset because for me, it was a kind of a shift in, 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 in really philosophy. Right. Um, and even now as a pro. Right. I, I try to tell a lot of our young guys like this is where this is where we're going to win the game. You know, a lot of people try to take this play off. This is the play, you know, and I think back to my Virginia Tech days, you know, from Andre Davis back there returning, Ricky Hall, myself having a chance, um, Eddie Royal, you know, I mean, just so many great returners and so many great special teams players, um, you know, just because Coach Beamer, you know, he made it a point to, to not use that, that down as just a waste down. He wanted to put the best players out there on the field, um, so we can, you know, so we can get an advantage. There's a reason why they say there's three phases of the game, offense, defense, and special teams. And it's amazing how overlooked that special teams component yeah. can be. And then we've been fortunate here in Virginia to be able to watch some of those good, some of the, some that, that phase perfected almost um, uh, throughout the years, but jumping ahead to your pro career, you played 14 seasons in the NFL, your first four with the Falcons and the Oakland Raiders, but your last decade was with the Washington franchise. Was it fun or difficult playing for what many people here consider the hometown team? 
I mean, it was fun. You know, it was it was it was definitely super fun. I grew up a huge Daryl Green fan, right? And so, you know, I never thought it was possible. You know, when I was drafted to Atlanta, I saw a guy like Keith Brooken, who was our starting middle linebacker. Um, you know, he had grew up in, in South Georgia. He went to Georgia Tech and he was playing for the home team, the Atlanta Falcons. And so I always thought that was so cool. And before I went to Oakland, we were trying to work a trade out to go to Washington, um, but just things didn't happen. And so, you know, I ended up accepting the trade, going to Oakland. And when they kind of released me during the season, uh, you know, it was a no brainer, uh, you know, to make the move to come to Washington. And then I ended up signing that deal with Washington and, you know, finishing my career there. Uh, but, you know, we had our ups and downs, you know, the commanders are still kind of going through some things, right? Uh, but it always felt like home and it wasn't necessarily because it was the commanders or the Redskins at the time. It, it was such a rich, uh, you know, fan base that just loved you for who you were. It didn't matter. You know, I had people hollering out my high school, hollering out Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech's such a huge uh, you know, market in that Northern Virginia area. Uh, so it just, you know, I always felt the unconditional love being that I was a kid from Virginia. You you mentioned that tradition and that legacy and the the team has a, has a rich tradition and legacy regardless of what's gone on in recent years. But, you know, I know that you're wearing the blue, silver and black right now. But when you look at the names on the commander's all-time greatest list, the 90 greatest commanders of all time, and then you're also in that category. What sort of emotions does that bring on to you personally? I mean, like I said, it's a, it's a huge honor, right? You know, to to, to watch a guy like Daryl Green play for so many years. And, you know, when I joined this organization, or not this one, but when I joined that organization, to get a chance to, to have intimate conversations with Daryl. I mean, I was just texting him, you know, earlier today, just, you know, just checking in on him. Um, you know, and just all the, like you said, just all the legends that were a part of, you know, all of that history. Um, it, it's it, it, it's something that that I value more than almost anything. Um, you know, I, I, those personal relationships that I was able to form didn't always win a lot of games. Um, but like I said, just being from Virginia to me, it just it just meant so much to be a part of that organization for so many years. You've mentioned Daryl Green's name multiple times uh, in our conversation. Now, what stuck out to you in, in the way he played? We, we uh, Many people who are watching this or will listen know that he's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, so we know he's a good football player. But what mm -hmm. stuck out to you about the way he played the game? Uh, I mean, I think it was a combination of everything. Obviously, I was a guy who had a lot of speed, you know, and so the similarities are obviously there when you talk about how fast Daryl was, how fast I was. I, I think I played a little bigger than Daryl. Don't tell him I said that. Um, and I could probably catch the ball a little better. Um, but just Daryl was a fierce competitive man. And I just remember having conversations with him and Deion Sanders and just hearing the differences of how Daryl always wanted to go follow the best guy and Prime was one of those co uh, one of those players that was like, look, y'all double team him. Let me go get the other guy. Um, and so just really understanding how those guys, you know, both great players, both Hall of Famers, um, you know, just how they approach the game, you know, the amount of time they put in. Um, you know, I worked with Daryl quite a bit when I was up there, just footwork drills and things like that. And, and I mean, it's amazing. The dude was 40 some years old and could still probably outrun a lot of a lot of a lot of current players. Yeah, lots of good tales about the later years in his career and how his that speed carried over. Whereas usually when you're losing, you're losing speed. Yeah. His he didn't lose his speed. No. Uh, just got a couple more for you here, but you mentioned 
You mentioned being fast and you mentioned uh, the ability to catch the ball. And one of the things that I love most about each induction cycle is putting the bios together and really trying to learn more about each inductee. And one of the things I learned in this process over the last year is you're the only player with at least the only NFL player with at least five fumble return touchdowns and five interception return touchdowns in NFL history. Is that a coincidence or is there some science behind, <laughs> behind that? It's a little bit of a science. Um, I mean, I, 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 I was, I've, I've always been just a ball hawk. Um, you know, whether it was trying to strip, strip guys carrying the football. Um, you know, a lot of people point to the play I had against Virginia Tech, but I'm like, man, I remember like doing that in high school, like forming <laughs> up, tackling a guy, and I just I, I feel the football, and I'm able to kind of just get it out. I want a Pro Bowl MVP taking the ball from West Welker, same way, just making a tackle. Oh man, I feel this ball. Um, you know, everybody always say you must be living right because sometimes I did get a couple lucky bounces where that ball just boop, just bounced right up in my hands, and it was it was it was pretty easy once it bounced in my hands. But yeah, you know, I've always kind of been a guy that prided myself on taking the football away. Um, you know, I felt like that's the biggest factor in in winning games is can I take can we take the football away from the other team and give our give our offense another crack at it. Um, and so, yes, I tell people all the time, I was, I was, I was a pretty good corner, but I was, I was a damn good football player. Extra possessions are always valuable, no matter what sport you're playing. I'll, uh, I'll get you out of here on, on what might be a difficult question, but who's the bigger rival to D'Angelo Hall, UVA football or Dallas Cowboys? Ooh. <laughs> hey, look, I'm watching film on guys and I'm, I'm, I'm like, I don't know if I don't like that dude because he went to UVA or or if I just don't like him because he's not very good. Uh, so I probably say UVA, even though I was so close to almost going to UVA, I was a huge uh, Anthony Poindexter fan. And so um, I was very close to going to UVA, but not really, because I, I just like I said, it's just Virginia Tech just felt felt like home. And, you know, it's something that we all kind of kind of still agree with, even though the Cowboys are a little bit of a rivalry. Um, but to me, it's, it's UVA hands down. Well, you mentioned Anthony Poindexter. He joined the Hall of Fame last year as part of the class of 2022. And, and next week you'll be here in Virginia Beach to, to do the same. And so, D'Angelo, we thank you for taking time out of what I know is a busy schedule. You got the draft to look forward to. We got the induction next week. But I appreciate you taking some time out of that schedule to join us today. Oh, I appreciate it, Will. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, we're looking forward to next week. And of course, I'd like to thank everyone who watched this and will follow along and will listen to us on the Hall Call podcast. Uh, as always, thank you to our sponsors who you see over our over my shoulders. Uh, be sure to stay up to date on all things Virginia Sports Hall of Fame and the Hall Call interview series by following our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. You can also listen to the Hall Call podcast on Apple, Spotify, or SoundCloud. The 2023 induction is just 10 days away. So the countdown is officially on. Uh, once again, I'm Will Driscoll with the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame. Whatever you do, participate, don't spectate, and we will see you next time.